0: we don't only ask people that are very used to making works and sound but also people that we are curious about hearing their works like maybe people's work like someone whose work we really like and then we think oh my god but how would that sound like how would you render this in audio or install this in in that sort of space yeah 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 yeah
1: yeah yeah Hi, welcome. I am your host Andrea and I'm here with Arif. Hi. Hi, Andrea. And with Birna. Hi. Hi.
2: Welcome to Studio, um, the Yayaya yeah, 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 Ja, Nene nee podcast. You're listening to one of our episodes in which we speak to artists about their curatorial practices and the platforms they initiate.
1: This time we are hosting the show from Fanfare, uh, which is a platform that organizes all sorts of gatherings, talks, experiments, exhibitions, collaborations, slash around an expanded idea of design. And we are in the building where Fanfare is, which is called Teterode, uh, which is also the studio where the studio of Birma is. Um, And we are in a very privileged position because we are right at the top of this building and we are basically seeing a panorama of all Amsterdam, which is really beautiful. Now it's night. Um, So Teterode is a a studio and a residency of artists since the 82 when it was squatted. And yeah today we have here A Birna Bjornstotir who was born in 1990 and she's a visual artist that is interested in the uses of technology in our daily lives and the disparity between embodied experiences and factual knowledge. She frequently engages intangible materials such as sunlight, electricity, sound and electromagnetic fields in her installations. Her works navigate between worlds of various materialities, and she has co-founded various artist-run platforms, such as the, res- the residency and collective Laumulista Pan, GSM Exhibition Space, Infrequencies, and Ad7 Project Space. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. We asked you to bring an object mm-hmm. or a material from your studio that uh, is related to your
0: personal practice and also your organizing work. What did you bring? So I brought this uh, small solar panel right here. And I think it's because it's kind of both. It's like it is an object, but it's an object to get to a material. So I thought it would be quite fitting. Um, And I had to think of this, what you mentioned that you wanted, or if I could think of an object or material that would relate to both kind of the organizing of these platforms and my own personal practice. And I've been thinking a lot about this lately of like um, co-creation and collaboration specifically. And I've been doing this kind of shift in my head where I think about uh, how I use materials in my own practice more as co-creations or collaborations rather than me working with materials that I'm kind of like collectively working with Sunlight on making a piece or something like that. So I think for me that was like the mental, um, yeah, the connecting point I made between the two, the organization and the personal practice.
1: Can you speak a little bit more about this role that you have, like initiating platforms? Like how how do you... Why are you like uh, constantly <laughs> kind of initiating new platforms, or how do you work on them what are your roles in them?
0: yeah, I think I mean initially they all come from some sort of an urgency, and I think as, i mean it is in a way quite a selfish practice as well It's like you you are you feel a need for something for yourself for your own platform or no from your own practice or or your own community, and then instead of waiting for that to arrive just. Make it happen. So I think that's usually the starting point of these platforms or these, uh, yeah, these things. Um, so for example, lista Samstepan is this um, a kind of a weird mix between a residency and uh, and a collective where it's a very collaborative practice. So it's all about like, um, yeah, we we make this residency short residency periods that happen every year in the summer and it happens in Iceland where I'm from. On a, on a small island, we we gather with a group of people and I organized this with, with uh, two friends of mine. We've been doing it for eight years now, so we meet annually with a group of people and we're just, we call it basically, we're just sharing time and we're co-creating and it's really about, we make up a project and then we work on it together, but it's really mostly about the process and the practice of working together rather than the actual outcome. And yeah, I think all three of us kind of, experienced and we found it in our in our community like people work very individually and I feel often we're forced to be in a very competitive setting like all your friends and you are all applying for the same exhibitions and things and opportunities and it's really this individual often based world and then sometimes you really just I felt at least really a need to get out of this and a need to just kind of be in this more sharing mode and where you can also shed your ego a bit and you're not all competing for the same things but actually working on them together. So I think that's for one example of like an urgency that you then turn into something that where you can, where you can have an outlet for that. And then the other um, maybe main kind of things, platforms that I've organized are at, also At7, which was this project space we organized between, it was, it ran for two years between 2017 and 2019 in Amsterdam in Lelylan. And that was uh, a more traditional project space. We just had a, a place and I think most of us that were running it together, we were with seven artists. We had just um, graduated from, yeah, the Rietvot and various, well, also a few other actually art academies. And we were all in the need of a space to experiment and also kind of. You know, experimenting, exploring, and exhibiting, and kind of wanted. We were not necessarily getting offered so many opportunities, so we thought we need to make a space where we can actually take, you know, do all this stuff. And also, it was not only for us, but our kind of the broader community. And it was amazing. It was really great to have these two years to really just make that happen. And we could kind of do any anything, make anything possible, host different people, do stuff yourself, change it into a studio if needed, or do exhibitions or events or. So that, there was another urgency. Um, and the third one, I think, G, so GSM, which is um, this um, exhibition space in frequencies, is uh, an exhibition space that is hosted by various radio stations. And Yaya yeah, yeah, Ney Ney nee, had hosted a series of ours last year. Maybe the urgency there, or well, at least like the exploration was really in kind of how to, uh, in audience, or like how to present art to an audience. And I think what me and, and Helena... Alston's who's actually uh, my collaborator in all of these uh, these different platforms, um, we were thinking about because we had done a radio station once in the Meliste the residency as as the theme of one of the residencies, and what we really enjoyed about it was. For the, especially for the community where we host the residency, this tiny island where 150 people live, and we always invite everyone for some sort of open day or open something where we kind of share a bit what we're working on. But that year, we had a radio station running for a week or 10 days, um, where we were constantly like having, you know, broadcasting material, and then we got a lot of feedback from people in the island that were listening in, they were tuning into the FM radio station and being excited and. we really enjoyed this this kind of um, like platform where you bring the art to the audience, and the audience does not have to like seek out the art in the, in the same way as you do maybe when you go to an art institution or exhibition space. Or that it was this more like generous in a certain way of like really you can in the leisure of your own time in your own home open up for an exhibition, and that I think was maybe one of the urgencies or starting points for that one. Uh, and as well as an interest in more immaterial ways of exhibiting work and really thinking of f- frequencies as space where you could also install a piece of work.
1: <laughs> I was wondering also because you have quite some interesting notions about the audience, no? And in these yeah. projects, it's a bit, no? When you do a platform, also the audience is here yeah, on one side, the other. So the person who, who comes no, to, to engage in that platform, but also it feels like the The audience is also the people who are part of this platform. But then there's this uh, radio that is like a bit, the work arrives to your home. And then you have some, I I remember it was like an intentional audience or an unwanted uh, (laughs) (laughs) audience. Can you explain a bit how you understand this audience part of the works?
0: Yeah, I think, for example, with radio is quite, can be quite a good, um, kind of example of that because the first series we did with GSM was on the Icelandic national radio and we got quite a great slot like right after the evening news it was very short it was like three minutes we had like a very strict slot and and there was really this like it's such a public platform it's like an immensely public platform when so many people listen to the evening news and then immediately they would be encountered with something super weird that they would not expect or not necessarily know was art immediately I mean we had an intro and an and an outro, of course, that would explain the context. And but I think it's this like involuntary, in the sense that you did not tune into this radio station to go to an art exhibition or to receive an art exhibition in your ears. And so there's this maybe this involuntary kind of like, what is the, where have I ended up? Uh, so a bit this surprise element, which I really enjoy often. And this is one example of like, I think. That can be one form of it and also in a more maybe traditional setting or if you're in an exhibition space, I think I I enjoy this more involuntary participation as a way of getting people a bit more unaware. So you can maybe snap a bit out of this, um, the kind of choreography or, of watching or like going to an exhibition and this kind of seriousness of attending an art event, you know, sometimes it gets quite serious and something I've used a lot in my own work, for example, I do really enjoy sound in this sense because sound is something that it, you cannot really turn away from or it feels like it, it's also quite bodily. And so I've often used, for example, ringtones or the sound of vibrations of smartphones because I think they have this very direct bodily link to most of us by this point. So do you have this immediate reaction of like, oh, is it my phone? Is it your phone? Whose phone? You know, and then you kind of snap out of this like, oh, I'm looking at art. Like, I don't know, you have this kind of disruption where something else can enter. And this moment I find interesting.
1: In regards of that, that you mentioned, and also of the object that you brought here, that I, that I wish our listeners could see because it's like the cutest solar panel. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's very like, cute. It's like a I have pet. a giant one, but I thought it would be awkward to bring it up here.
1: <laughs> it's a it's a pet solar panel. Um, in your work, you play a lot with systems or devices, not things that are kind of functioning in a way. And it's also really challenged to read the physical description of, this, of these devices. It's like you're kind of doing an effort to understand how this complex system is actually working. For example... Um, I wanted to read uh, the description of a photosynthetic installation. That was your solo exhibition in the Reykjavik Art Museum in 2022. Uh, Just an excerpt. That is, metal cast branches carry the electricity from one part of the installation to the other while real potatoes and walnuts sprout and grow slowly over the duration of the exhibition. Um, so I feel like all these things that are kind of collaborating that you no know, like the sun you're working with the sun with the solar panel, but there's also like a phone and then a potato. I would like to understand like a bit more what's your process of like building all these systems and like the relationship to how we understand them also that is a bit like intuitive because there are things that you understand, but also counterintuitive because all these things are really working in a very complex way in a way.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I totally have a knack of overcomplicating things, um, but... Yeah, I was also thinking about this in terms of like what is the connection between this organizational role, you know, in my work and in the platforms. I do think I really enjoy this kind of like many things coming together in a complex way is definitely something I I enjoy a lot. But I think this is also a good example of something that I've been thinking more about, yeah, this kind of collaboration with material, with forces. So the initial point of this work was that I wanted to make a sculpture out of electricity. Like that was the first part where I really wanted to like generate electricity and use it and that that would be the main ingredient that is also generated on the spot and then used for the show. Whereas, I mean, if you just show a video installation, just plug in a screen into a wall, like I kind of wanted to make it a, a closed or like not a closed, actually open system that where you can kind of see the source, see how it's, moving through. But how it comes together, I think it's really a snowballing effect, you know, you can start with that and then one system adds another and then, you know, to visualize. So I wanted to really visualize how the energy Uh, was coming in and being used so there was this video installation which showed um, or video piece that showed these walnuts and potatoes rolling around and depending on how much energy was coming in through the solar panel they would move faster and be more visible on the screen so if there was no energy coming in in the night or something it would be just this really faint ghosts on the screen and then during like the highest uh, sun during the day that would be very active and a part of the video would unlock where these elements would start sprouting. So therefore it was this kind of photosynthesizing effect. And then in the space at the same time, I kind of wanted to put them next to the real version of the, of the potatoes and the one that's sprouting for, I think, uh, just to kind of underline that they are really the same in a way or something. They're just coming together as they're both... Being driven by exactly the same source, and yeah, that they can kind of really coexist.
1: That's so interesting because when you're describing this, I just really see the parallel with working in a collective or in a platform. Like, this is also like, who are you collaborating with? You're also collaborating with all these unknown forces in a way, or like, You know, we often consider that a collaboration or like any collective project is like, okay, it's a group of humans or something. But then obviously there's these all other layers of reality that you're working with. I mean, that you have this platform initiation, but then in your work that actually kind of shows, no? It's like there's this electromagnetic force that is kind of... uh, Yeah, exactly.
0: And I think it relates also kind of back to this involuntary participation because I think I also as an audience often consider myself quite passive, but you are never passive. So I think it's also this underlining of like you're actually never passive, like you're you always active as an audience. And it's kind of just underlining that exactly what you were saying. You're always engaging with so many things and elements and your presence is already activating a lot. <laughs>
1: We just spoke about activation. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, probably, maybe the listeners don't really listen this in a order, but we we are recording three interviews uh, today. And then in our previous conversation, we had a a bit of a discussion of what activation means, because activation obviously is this word that artists love to use. Yeah. No, it's like I am activating something, but in your work, I feel. It's quite interesting to think about more like a, like an antenna, in a way. Yeah. That maybe things, we are just in the middle of movement of forces and things, and then you are also, you are actually being kind of at crossed by these things more yeah. than activating these things, in a way. Exactly, yeah. So it's like a bit the opposite somehow.
0: Yeah, true. Hmm, maybe, like... Affected also <laughs> rather than activating yourself, you're also being but it's like molding in both directions i guess
1: yeah yeah activa activation I never thought about this word before today I, would, I, ge- I gave it a it's like this default i think also like languages of of work of artistic work that yeah. Arabic you know like activation it becomes, or it becomes
0: jargon after a while, even if it's quite like a simple word word and yeah. yeah
1: it's like you're not. Engaging with an inanimate world somehow,
0: yeah,
1: and I feel it also may help somehow. We are in a moment of, in in a sense, like trying to figure out how we are, for example, relating to the non-human in a way, yeah. like to how art is also entang- entangled in a much larger question or conversation for example with other species or with other times yeah and that you know like things are not inanimate for us to go there
0: in a way yeah no totally there's more than human uh, forces yeah
1: yeah it's like more you're a bit of a medium no as an an
0: artist (laughs) you know maybe in some ways yeah yeah (laughs) it's fun yeah i have this like also, this kind of strange ongoing research project, which is actually a bit this, where I'm trying to grow a phantom limb as a kind of an antenna to do what, this. It's what kind is of like a phantom a, limb? A phantom limb is usually uh, associated with um, if you lose a limb and then you still feel it. So you have this phantom version of the limb. Okay. And then. Uh, some years ago I discovered that there is like a a separate syndrome that is a supernumerary phantom limb where you just have a limb that you, you have a phantom but you've never actually had the real flesh and blood limb. And I got a bit obsessed with this idea of like that you could grow a part of your body that would, that it doesn't appear or like you don't have in the flesh but you feel like you do. And really in the sense of this, what you're saying, like this antenna and this kind of being this material medium almost that I got obsessed with this. If I could grow a phantom limb, then I could kind of like feel all this, like it would be in a parallel material universe in my brain. That's how I thought it. So it could be in contact with like frequencies, let's say, or, and this thought experiment is something that really drives a lot of my work actually.
1: So you basically, for to start a work, you're like asking yourself an impossible question in a way or...
0: Yeah, I guess.
1: Like, can I... Grow a phantom limb or
0: can I? I don't think it's impossible also. so <laughs> yeah. It's interesting to think that just gives me a way of thinking about how I can be engaging with all these intangible, like invisible materialities that we were just talking about, like how they move through and like it gives me a way to think about it.
1: But then how does your studio look like? Is it like a scientific Station or are you actually building all these systems before, or
0: yeah yeah, 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 I do, yeah, I think it it has um thankfully, I got a big one now, so that's really nice, so I can have all these different stations of like I have this corner where I have all this solar equipment stuff, and then I'm also at the moment at the moment it's actually quite tidy, which is good, but then you know I have very many different materials and stuff that i'm that I'm kind of looking into, um but I think when I'm working on a particular project. I'm also very often diving into new techniques or something new. I'm a bit up, like yeah, um, up like I get really obsessed with something specific. So now it's been like solar energy. So I have all these like batteries and stuff and electricity stuff that I'm connecting together. But at the same time, I was also experimenting with metal casting. So this was like maybe last year before I did this big work. So then, you know, half of my studio would be this electric electronic mess and the other half like from making sand molds and like have poured metal stuff. And so it's a bit of a mess.
1: So you literally have a s- solar... Uh station there in your studio yeah,
0: yeah 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 you can come have a look later if you want
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to imagine so this belongs to that no like this little. yeah but head. this is
0: just a tiny one i have like a huge one um and then this whole system but it's not very complex it's just like you have a lot of cable you have the panel and then cables and then you need you know a few small devices of like how to read how much energy is coming in so there's this kind of control, and then it all collects in a battery okay yeah okay. so it's just what you would have in a camper van or something like Okay.
2: Yeah. It's a nice contrast, also with your um, GSM project, which is ordered very differently. No, um, I think uh, if you're listening, we will put a link in the show notes. But it was six, I think, six works that we had on Yayane. Yeah. Uh, every day, a new one <laughs> for a week, basically. And yeah, I really like that idea of having a kind of a exhibition space spread out, also. Of course in frequencies, as the title says, but also there's a kind of a program to it. No? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how did you how did you curate that or how did that go?
0: Um, so with uh, Helena, who runs it with me, um, I think we were we are interested in really thinking about it as a space so we don't only ask people that are very used to making works and sound but also people that we are curious about hearing their works, like maybe people's work, like someone whose work we really like, and then we think, oh my God, but how would that sound? Like how would you render this in audio or install this in in that sort of space? So I think, yeah, we just, we always keep like a, a document where if we see someone's work that we have to make this connection, we put it in and then we kind of together go through the list and think about also if we think in terms of series, like what would also be? an interesting series where you would have a bit of like different approaches and you know maybe then some people who are used to working with sound and some others that have never done it before and i think that's a very interesting challenge that you get different um kind of viewpoints on this format
2: mm-hmm. yeah you also had to work uh, yourself yeah in it, right yeah. yeah
0: that was the first time I was really i really enjoyed it as well yeah
1: it was your first time you mean in Radio or it was your first, it was the first work?
0: Yeah, I mean, I worked with audio a lot in my work, but never alone. So that was the first time where I really made like, yeah, like a piece or we call it always like solo exhibitions because it's like this space that was really only audio. So that was quite new for me, but really exciting as well. And how was it? Oh, it was uh, quite like a a, a journey. I think I I thought of it that it started as if it started within a phone, so you would hear a lot lot of like, it was like electromagnetic frequencies recorded. So I was kind of imagining from a phone's perspective, like what is coming through. So you hear all this, there's all these like frequencies and text messages and notifications coming through, but you're kind of inside of them. And I was working on this project on an artist book, actually a text I was writing at the time, actually a book I just sent in this week for the printing, so I'm very excited which is all about text messaging and kind of the materiality of the chat message and, and this kind of the disembodied voice of like you text someone and you're trying, there's so much meaning like fitted into five letters in a bubble and, and the kind of the impossibility of that. And I think I was really busy with this at the time. So I was really imagining I was the phone. And then how does it feel if you get like these messages through? Yeah. And then it took a really quite like a sharp turn, the sound piece. And then I asked um, a musician called Hermigervit to m- render me uh, on the theremin to play on the theremin uh, an ABBA song. An
1: ABBA song, yeah, a song from Dancing ABBA. Queen. Yeah.
0: Okay, in the theremin, <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. So then, then this kind of like through you go kind of through the phone and all this crackles, and then there's suddenly this like moment where ABBA comes playing on the theremin.
2: Okay, I think we uh, will listen to this sound piece at the end for sure um, <laughs> we'll give you a little preview I think we almost have to close um, already it felt very short
1: yeah this is our this is the last uh, interview that we're doing here also speaking about forces yeah the space where we are at uh, kind of throws you away at, uh, at exactly the duration of the interview so half an hour later you're super cold it's well timed yeah <laughs> so there's a
0: there's
1: an uh, there's a, an exterior force that is l- telling us to leave but it was a pleasure i hope we can listen now to that Abba show no i spoiled that. <laughs> no <laughs> thank you so much for coming thank you for having me
2: Thank you, and now you will hear Benas' piece.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs>